Hi, Sarah. Hi there, Richard. Welcome to Coffee Talk with Benefits, a podcast brought to you by Seifert Shaw's Employee Benefits and Executive Compensation Department. As your host, Richard Schwartz and I, Sarah Tuzlin, will interview a member of the Seifert's Employee Benefits and Executive Compensation Department or an outside expert in the employee benefits world. In each episode, we'll discuss interesting, tricky, and sometimes amusing issues that come across our desks, all over a cup of coffee. Today, we're joined by our employee benefits colleague, Ben Spader. Ben, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today to talk about cybersecurity. Could you please just tell us a little bit about your background and your practice at Cypherth? Well, thank you, Sarah. As you say, I'm, I'm with Seifert Shaw. I'm in the San Francisco office, and I practice uh, mostly in the area of retirement plans. And I'm very excited to be here today to talk about something brand new, cybersecurity, with respect to employee benefit plans. And we're excited to have you, Ben. So you. let's kick off with my first question. Why are benefit plans all of a sudden so focused on cybersecurity? I mean, after all, what's the big deal? Well, first of all, the Department of Labor is aggressively auditing employee benefit plans to examine their cybersecurity practices. So perhaps that's the biggest deal for most plans and employers. There have also been a barrage of lawsuits filed against plan fiduciaries for security breaches. And then there's the potential for personal liability for plan fiduciaries in the event of a breach and also unwanted media attention for employers as well. That's why sponsors of employee benefit plans are taking a much greater interest in cybersecurity than ever before. So, Ben, what specific risks are plans facing when it comes to cybersecurity breaches? Well, some of the risks include inappropriate access to employees' retirement accounts, which could result in unauthorized distributions, which is a huge problem, of course. Then there's the access to personal data and access to other business systems of the employer. These are among the risks we want to proactively avoid. Wow. So, okay. So when you mention access then to personal data, I mean, that's pretty scary. I mean, so someone could basically log into your retirement account and take a distribution from your account, access your SSN, your address, basically open up your life. That's right. That is pretty scary. And that can happen through retirement plan information. That's unbelievable. So can you give us some examples, Ben, of how hackers attack plans? Well, you may have email spoofing. Uh, People know this sometimes as uh, phishing expeditions. They can steal an email account. You might even have leaked credential use. So leaked credential use, that sounds like uh, bad password protection protocols. That or you may even share that information with someone who uses it in a way that you didn't intend. And that's interesting, Ben. I just had a situation with a client where a participant passed away and her daughter actually accessed her account using her password. I'm not sure if it was you know, provided to her by the participant or if she just guessed it, if it was an easy one to guess. And she, she actually changed the beneficiary to herself. So it's definitely happening <laughs> through the password route. Sure. And those are the kind of things we don't want the folks we represent, planned fiduciaries, to be responsible for. Other ways where uh, you could have these unwanted attacks are through ransomware, which many of us are familiar with these days. And and many times internal threats come from bad employees or bad technology configurations, bad oversight, bad policies and practices. Just about anything bad can result in an attack with respect to the technology of your company. 
So who would you say are the typical culprits of these attacks? Well, you may have financial attackers seeking inside information, perhaps to cause harm to the company or play downside stock price movement. You might have disgruntled employees who have inside information or access to exploit or leak information. You might have malicious hackers who are just in it for the fun, the thrill of financial uh, ruin rather than financial gain. Or perhaps your third-party service providers could be at fault by way of poor cyber hygiene or a lack of risk management protocols. These are the parties typically responsible for attacks against plans in particular. That's really interesting. So from the plan's perspective, who's responsible for keeping plans safe? These are called the plan fiduciaries, Richard. Plan fiduciary is anyone who exercises any discretionary authority with respect to the management of a plan or anyone who has any discretionary authority with respect to the administration of the plan. For example, the executives of an employer might be fiduciaries in a smaller organization, but for most organizations these days, the individuals on a governing plan committee are typically the plan fiduciaries. These are the individuals who are personally responsible for keeping the plan safe from cyber threats. Got it. So, so Ben, what legal duties do these individuals, these fiduciaries have? Well, as it relates to cybersecurity, we focus on two legal rules under ERISA, which is the federal law that governs employee benefit plans. The first rule is that fiduciaries must act in the best interest of plan participants, and we call this the exclusive benefit rule. The second rule is that fiduciaries must also act prudently under circumstances, and we call this the prudent person rule. And under the prudent person rule, a fiduciary is not required to be an expert or to always even make the correct choice. Fiduciaries are required only to investigate options, select and monitor performance of their service providers or the investments, or engage the services of experts when the fiduciary is not qualified. Things like hiring an investment advisor or hiring someone who has expertise in cybersecurity is an example of being prudent by a fiduciary who is not charged with taking on these responsibilities on their own. Again, they just have to act prudently. These are the two major rules we focus on, the behavior of planned fiduciaries. Acting prudently for the benefit of planned participants is the key issue. And the ERISA statute is not about the results whether a a breach happens or not. It's about whether you have a system in place that prudently is designed to do the best possible to prevent breaches. So at the beginning of our discussion, Ben, you mentioned that Department of Labor audits are becoming more common and are, of course, a big deal. And in large part, what's driving plans to focus on their cybersecurity threats. What's the Department of Labor had to say about this? Well, Richard, in the middle of last year, the Department of Labor released a trifecta of best practices for planned fiduciaries. Although best practices themselves are are exceptionally informal as far as legal guidance goes, the Department of Labor said something quite new, and they said it particularly loud and particularly clear. And that is, in the Department of Labor's view, cybersecurity is, in fact, a fiduciary duty that's new And that's a big deal for the Department of Labor to say. These uh, best practices from the Department of Labor for fiduciaries come in three flavors. The first is a laundry list of to-dos for fiduciaries, such as having a formal, well-documented cybersecurity program and completing an annual risk assessment and setting up a breach response system, just to name a few. The second flavor is 
tips for hiring and maintaining planned service providers, which includes looking at a service provider's information security standards and seeing how they compare to industry standards, evaluating service providers' track record, and finding out the extent of service providers' insurance coverage for cybersecurity losses and identity theft breaches. Uh, These service provider tips also include a list of contract provisions that should be addressed as part of the arrangement between the plan and the provider, such as uh, the avoidance of limitation of liability provisions for cybersecurity breaches that may be the fault of the provider. The last flavor of the three of the Department of Labor guidance, that the best practices, uh, recognizes that fiduciaries need the aids of folks around them to do their jobs. In this case, the aid of cyber savvy participants in order to be successful. And the guidance offers plant fiduciaries a number of participant online security tips, such as avoiding free Wi-Fi networks and using strong passwords. And this is basically a strong encouragement by the Department of Labor to provide this information to participants. And and we found the easiest way to do that is simply include this list of very useful tips for participants in the summary plan descriptions of the plans called the SPD. So there's a wealth of information to digest on this subject. Yeah, I know. It sounds like that. So it also sounds like, you know, this guidance, best practices, it's it's still relatively new. Have there been enforcement actions at this point by the government? Well, the Department that's, a great, of Labor? that's a great question, Sarah, because as we said in the very beginning, we're really interested in that. And there has been. We are typically seeing Department of Labor auditors ask plans to produce all policies, procedures and guidelines relating to everything concerning cybersecurity, data governance, classification of data, disposal of data, data privacy. They want to see the processes for business continuity, disaster recovery, incident response, and the plan's assessment of their own security risks. The list really goes on and on as far as the documentation they want. So in other words, the Department of Labor is requesting a voluminous amount of cybersecurity information from plans. And if plans don't have that available, that could cause them some problems. And plans need to take care to be ready to respond to these inquiries if and when they come up, which in all likelihood in the in the life cycle of a plan will happen sooner than later. Wow. So it's it sounds like these enforcement actions, just what they're looking for, it's it's going to really involve more than just the plan, plan administrator. I mean, they're looking at policies of the employer and more widely the company. In many cases, there is that overlap. That's yeah. right. Hey, Ben, this has been really interesting. What practical steps should plans take to protect themselves? Well, some of the bigger ticket items that we're encouraging plan sponsors to take is to develop a set of documented policies and processes that address the Department of Labor's directions to fiduciaries, which I mentioned as the first flavor of guidance. Then there's assessing the plan's current state of vendor management as it pertains to cybersecurity, such as opening contract negotiations on this very subject with current vendors and renegotiating certain provisions relating to cybersecurity. An obvious step, perhaps, is uh, conducting fiduciary training in cybersecurity and developing a breach response system, just to name it a few of the things that should be happening with all plans right now. And our job as fiduciary lawyers is not to prevent breaches. We can't do that. No one can. That's a challenge for technology, which has yet to accomplish that feat. In the meantime, we are here to protect fiduciaries from liability 
and personal liability in many cases to the extent we may be able to do so and better protect plan participants' personal data and plan benefits. Well, thank you, Ben, for joining us today to talk about this. It's been incredibly informative and you know, it's a very important topic. I know that once we hang up, I think I'm going to go to Schwab Workplace and change my password. So good idea. <laughs> I think we all learned a lot today. And, and I suspect, Ben, that um, we're going to be hearing more about this from you in the future. Thanks so I, much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Richard. Thanks for listening to Coffee Talk with Benefits. Tune in next time for a conversation with Cypherth partner Christina Sarasal about sham terminations and their impact on both non-qualified and qualified retirement plans. Thank you for listening to Coffee Talk with Benefits, brought to you by Cypherth Shaw. We invite you to subscribe and follow on your favorite podcasting platform. Learn more at coffeetalkwithbenefits.com. 